Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, I'm Emily, a teen librarian for Maricopa County Library District, and today we'll take a look at a few teen books that give a fresh take on classic stories. You may be familiar with classics like The Outsiders or Jane Eyre, and you may even have read them in your English or language arts class. But today, we're going to take a look at contemporary retellings of these traditional tales. Each of the following books is a classic story that you're probably familiar with, but it has a new twist. I'll introduce the book by telling you the title and author, and then I'll read the first page of each book. From there, it'll be up to you if you want to dive into the rest of the story. Sea Witch by Sarah Henning. Two small pairs of boots echoed on the afternoon cobblestones, one pair in a sprint, the other in a stumble and slide. A blonde girl, no older than five, dragged a raven-haired girl, an inch taller and a year older, down the sea lane towards a small cottage. The dark-haired girl's lungs were sputtering, each inhale a failure. She was drowning on dry land. As the house came into view, the blonde girl opened her mouth to scream for help, but before any sound could come out, the other girl's mother burst through the door, like she knew what had happened. She always seemed to know what they'd done. Evie, the mother cried, cradling her daughter in a heap at her chest and running towards the cottage. Anna, she said to the little blonde, who was panting from carrying her friend so far, fetch the royal physician, but go. The girl didn't protest again fine boots clacking on the cobblestones as she regained speed. When her mother shut the cottage door tightly behind them, the raven-haired girl knew the physician's medicine wouldn't heal her. Only one thing would. Within These Wicked Walls by Lauren Blackwood. Sweltering heat hit me like a sudden leap of a bonfire when I traded the protection of the mule-drawn cart's tarp for burning sand. I clutched my satchel, squinting against the dying sun. Heat waves created illusions of life out of the sand. Sometimes they came as ripples on a pool of water, others a snake looking for an escape under a rock, or in a far caravan carting slabs of salt cut from the desert's floor to be sold in the market. They were all just the desert's cruel trick. There was nothing out here. Nothing but me, the merchant I'd caught a ride with in town, and a towering mass of structured stone in the distance that was to become my new home. My frizzy curls stuck to my temples and the back of my neck as I fished a sweaty bill from my pocket, and the merchant held up his hand against it like I was offering him a spider. No charge. To show my appreciation, I insisted. I should have just kept my mouth shut. The cart had been a godsend after six others had vehemently refused. A simple sheet of wood raised between two sturdy wheels on the back end and a sweating mule hitched to the front. Plenty of room for me to curl up and rest, even if I had to share the space with the merchant and his clay pots of spices. And it had a tarp to lie under. A tarp! Even so, it was my last bit of money, at least until this new job paid. Besides, if I was going to pay him, the least he could do was drop me off a little closer to the door. But, God bless him, 
The merchant insisted more frantically and raised his hand into an aggressive shoeing motion. God have mercy on your soul, he said, and he smacked the mule into a sudden run, kicking sand into the air as the cart circled back the way we came to take the long way through the desert. Bad Girls Never Say Die by Jennifer Matthew. Houston, 1964. We were the sort of girls mothers warn their daughters about. Don't turn out like that trash. We're the sort teachers whisper about and boys dream about. Even the boys who won't give us the time of day in the cafeteria or at a school dance. Not that we're the sort of girls who go to many school dances. So what sort are we? The sort of girls who draw fake moles on our faces with eyeliner pencils we lift from Woolworths, and the sort who laugh too loud when we're not supposed to, and the sort who are so bad that some of us have been sent away to places where bad girls go. Usually we return even worse. When I was little and wore starched secondhand dresses to elementary school and listened to Miss Carter, she taught us the IBCs, probably no one thought I'd turn out to become a bad girl. But... I became one anyway. Being a bad girl can break your heart over and over. And when I think about what happened to me and my friends last fall, sometimes my heart cracks in pieces all over again. And I wonder if I'll find the strength to put it together one more time. But the truth is, if I had never become a bad girl, I would never have met Diane. And I would never have learned the honest truth that sometimes bad girls are the best friends a girl could ever have. The Afterlife of Holly Chase by Cynthia Hand. The first thing you should probably know is that Yvonne Worthington Chase was dead. It was all over the news when it happened. The entertainment shows, the newspapers and magazines, even the trashy tabloids. A sudden tragedy. That's how the media described it. Because she was only 40-something when it happened. Plus, Yvonne was famous, so her death was considered a much bigger deal than an ordinary person's. Yvonne was a fashion stylist. Anybody who was like anybody in Hollywood hired her to make sure that they were always looking fabulous. She had an uncanny ability to match the right item to the right person and situation, a way of finding that perfect gown to wear on the red carpet of the Golden Globes or the correct shoes for that Vogue photo shoot on Zuma Beach, or the most infallible bag to take to lunch in Beverly Hills. Her obituary claimed that she died after complications from foot surgery because her feet were screwed up from all the years she'd spent in stilettos. A believable story, but the truth is Yvonne died getting your run-of-the-mill plastic surgery, which involved a breast lift, neck lift, and butt lift. It was during the neck lift that things went horribly wrong. The obituary went on to state, that Yvonne was survived by her husband, the well-respected film director Gideon Chase, and her 16-year-old stepdaughter Holly. That's me. I'm Holly Chase. I didn't cry at Yvonne's funeral. She wouldn't have wanted an emotional display. The whole time I wore a pair of Bulgari Flora sunglasses, which hid my eyes and took up most of my face. These had belonged to Yvonne, actually. The huge perk of Yvonne dying was that I finally got to raid her closet. And when it was all over, I took my phone out of my purse and snapped a selfie in the graveyard with my amazing new sunglasses. And I posted it for all of my followers to see. I was a bad person back then. 
Seriously, I was. Hood by Jenny Elder Moke. Isabel took great pride in herself that she did not cry once during the whole wretched, messy ordeal. Not when the soldiers barked their orders at her to stand down, not when they grabbed her like a common criminal and threw shackles on her wrists, not when they shoved her into this moldy makeshift prison cell that once served as a potato cellar, not even when the strips of light leaching from the outside grew longer and thinner and then disappeared altogether. She held her head high, gritted her teeth, and glared malevolence at the warped wooden boards of the door and the rough voices of the men beyond. And when even they faded away, she began to fear they'd forgotten about her or planned to leave her behind, and fear twisted itself into panic, and she would not give in. She thought of her mother in full prioress regality, stern and powerful, and threaded through with iron, and wished for her strength. But the night wore on, the cold stealing its thin fingers up her ankles and calves. She just wished for her mother. She almost had forgotten the door was there by the time that the heavy bolt screeched open, a stab of torchlight blinding her after hours of complete dark. She curled herself up instinctively, the shackles dragging and clanking against each other as she raised her hands to the block the light. She steeled herself for another round of brutal questioning from the soldiers, summoning what little strength she had left. But after hours of fear, hunger, and churning panic, it only took one word to undo her. Isabel? She lifted her head, her face twisting. Mother? She whispered and promptly burst into tears. So, what did you think? Do you want to know more about these classics with a contemporary twist? If so, you can check out any of these books via our library system. Visit our website, mcldaz.org, for more information on these books or for the rest of our awesome collection. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.